And I am indeed privileged and honored to be speaking for the next few minutes on our morning show with a highly acclaimed uh, English actor, Robert Bathurst. He has extensive experience on British stages and British television. And over here in America, we probably know him best for uh, his wonderful performance as Sir Anthony on Downton Abbey. What we're going to be speaking with Robert Bathurst about, however, today is the marvelous work that he has done in uh, narrating, if you want to say, the audiobooks, uh, the most recent uh, in the series of Armand Gamache novels by Canadian novelist Louise Penny. The latest, the 17th book in this series, has just been published called The Madness of Crowds. And Robert Bathurst uh, once again brings his distinguished voice uh, to to the task of bringing this novel alive for those that uh, prefer to hear it in audiobook fashion. And uh, we have Robert Bathurst with us for a few minutes uh, to talk about this. Robert Bathurst, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Hi, Greg. Lovely to be here with you. I'm so glad to be talking with you. Before we speak about the novel specifically, I would love to hear a bit about uh, your approach, which I think is so masterful, your approach to audiobooks. And... Uh, I heard you say in another interview something about the subtle dance that is involved in uh, in doing this kind of work. Explain to our listeners, please, what this subtle dance is all about. Well, anyone who's seen me dancing wouldn't ever call me subtle, but uh, so uh, <laughs> in terms of reading, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I do think that. I'm. I'm uh, uh, thank you for picking up on that. It is. It is a dance because. Because what is the job of a narrator is, is, is to be a conduit between the author and the listener. Because when you're, when you're reading a book, it's, it's direct. You're, you're, you're reading the print. She, Louise has written the print, and, and, uh, and that's what you're receiving. Everything that's going on in your imagination has been transferred through reading the print. Then, then with audiobooks, you've got this additional, additional thing going on with somebody taking the responsibility of reading it for you. Um, so you can listen to it in the car, on a walk, or wherever it is like that, but, but you've still got to create that connection between the author and the listener and not get in the way, not be boring, not, be, not make it all about you, not, not make it about your mellifluous tones and your, you know, the, the way you're the voice beautiful, you know, like they do in, in so, so much poetry reading. It's, it's nothing to do with you. It, it's, it's everything to do with the performance in getting it across, but not about the individual doing it. It's rather an unfashionable view because you know, everything in, in performance is meant to be embodied and meant to be about oneself, but it isn't in this case at all, ever. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, you've just got, to, just got to serve the author and all the characterizations, all the rhythms, pick up, prepare it absolutely inside out, and then prepare, then work out what it is the author intends. And if it's well written, which Louise Penny's work always is, um, she tells you in the, in, in the writing how, what... what where it's picking up, where the rhythm is, what the, 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 the speed at which uh, you go, the sentence structure. And so to be, to be, just to be alive to that, and most of all to be alive to how the audience are receiving it, whether you're engaging them or not. Hmm. One of the things that I have appreciated, and I've uh, heard, I think, two of these previous novels, uh, your readings of them, is that you seem to uh, uh, adopt a style that is vivid, but not what I would call overly histrionic. Is that part of what we're talking about here in terms of not getting between the listener and the book, inserting yourself 
in, in, in the wrong way? Is, is it partly not being too histrionic? Well, I'm up for doing histrionic if it's written. I mean, if the character mm. is being histrionic, I'll, I'll give it histrionic. But, but, but not to make it a, a reading which is too declaimed. I mean, if you want to, you know, to make it into a, a, a someone in the Roman Senate and, and shouting out through the forum, uh, if that character is, is shouting, then, then yeah, declaim it. But uh, in in the na- in narration, I say narration, you say narration. Uh, but anyway, so it's uh, it's it's something you just draw them in because what you there is two there's the two different styles, aren't there? There's one you either draw people in or you pin them back. Mm. Um, I'm more of a drawer inner. Mm. Um, Pinning back is all very well, but you can it can uh, it can get a bit tiresome after a while. It seems to me another matter here is uh, respecting and trusting the material, and not feeling as though uh, it is destined for failure unless you bring your own greatness to it. I mean, you clearly believe right from the start that these works by uh, Louise Penny are marvelous, and uh, you s- simply need to to, to share them. Uh, without, in a sense, adding something to them that isn't already there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the language is there to be squeezed, and you want to squeeze it, and you want to get as much juice out of it as possible. And any any reader would have a different way of doing that. Um, of course, yes, you 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 yeah, respect it and and you and you um, serve it, but. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's it's nothing to do with the right the reader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd say that, that, that it's 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 all about it's all about those characters. It's all about those that phrase. Every phrase you're making a decision, you're making a choice in how to deliver it. Um, but if, if what's really important is you don't you're, the or the listener isn't aware of those choices being made, uh, and and the only choice the only choices they they're aware of is the choice of the author as to which way that sentence is going to go. Mm. I don't recall if this is where you began this work, that is, uh, with, with these Louise Penny uh, novels in the Armand Gamache series, or, or did you begin this work with, with some other project? Um, well, narration, I, I mean, in terms of my career, I started in radio. I started in radio comedy um, and have done a lot of radio drama in terms of, sort of voice work. Um, uh, book narration came has come um, much later. Actually, um, I've always done sort of short stories and things like that on, on, the, on the radio. Um, but uh, the um, yeah the narration uh, side of my career has come uh, relatively late, in amongst all the sort of the telly and the theatre stuff. And did it begin with narrating these novels by Louise Penny? I'd done a f- I'd done a few before. I did um, uh, done a few books before. Um, but this is the first major raft of of, of, of books that I've done. Um, the, the first, I must say, that the first the series was was started. First ten of this series was was read by the actor Ralph Cosham, who died, um, uh, having done ten of the books. I've done the last seven. Right. So the success of the series is, is owing a lot to him. Um, it was a great pressure because he was very popular with the fans of the Three Pines series, the Gamash series. Mm. Uh, and so um, I took over, and um, it, it seems to have gone pretty well. So um, the, the people who, who, who like her work in audio seem to be listening in good numbers to, um, to uh, you know, the, the latest books. For certain. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've done the last, uh, last seven of them. So this is the, this is the greatest body of, of uh, audiobook work that I've done, yes. Yeah, 
And I wanted to ask you about that, the fact that you are stepping in and, and uh, following in the footsteps of, of Ralph Kalsham, as you already said, whose, whose work on this series was, was highly regarded. Uh, had you heard those, and, and did you feel any sense of needing to follow in, a, in, 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 in some sort of continuity from what he had done before you, or uh, was that not possible? Did you need to do this with yourself, in a sense, and your own voice? Yeah, I mean, I could. I I didn't want to do a pale reflection of of him, and and uh, it would only be only be that. Uh, so I did. I, I briefly listened to uh, the work that he'd done, and he did brilliantly. But uh, no, I had to just forge it myself, and so I read it and reacted to it, and um, I couldn't refer to what had gone on before because um, that was his cre- his not creation, his interpretation, um, and I took the view that I would interpret it. Uh, in, in, and, and give it the rhythms and, and everything else um, without um, trying, to, trying to, to, to recreate or restore uh, the tone of what was going on before. Um, and Because uh, and uh, these characters have got to live. These characters have got to somehow buzz. And, and uh, if it's, it's too remote a business to try and do an impersonation and, and then do that. So I wanted it to come from, from deeper and, and uh, to land it in my own way. Hmm. For those of you just joining us, I am speaking with highly acclaimed English actor Robert Bathurst, and we are talking about uh, the work that uh, he has done recently, uh, reading aloud uh, the marvelous novels of Louise Penny, in the series uh, of uh, Chief Inspector Armand Gamache. The 17th novel in the series has just been released called The Madness of Crowds. Robert Bathurst, uh, explain to our listeners something uh, of, of, of this central character of Chief Inspector Armand Gamache, uh, 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 a man who is uh, so commendable in so many ways. Uh, what do you make of him and what do you bring to the character? Uh, well, I, I bring what uh, hopefully Louise, Louise Penny brings, but I, 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 he's fascinating in the sense that he's, um, he's, he's really tough. He's complicated. And, but he's also, he's also got, and the books exude this. They've got a sort of, despite all the terrible things that go on, and 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 the things that Gamash has to do and the compromises he's got to make, um, there is through it all, and I think this is one of the great appeals to it. Uh, there is a sort of with, with a small less spiritual sense in it that that ultimately I think the message that Louise gets across, and it isn't syrupy and soupy to say this, but goodness prevails in the in 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 the sense that I mean things go badly awry, but um, but ultimately there is a sense of redemption. Uh, and it's uh, and it's and it's I think quite rare in in uh, in, in in this genre perhaps um, and and he he is he's sort of a, a remarkable uh, character I think sometimes he's not unlike sort of Aslan in the in the C S Lewis Narnia tales I mean there's a sort of an element of of sort of odd spiritual goodness about him even though he's he's down and mucky with 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 the most ghastly things that, that go on in his life. But um, so he sort of straddles that that sense of, of, of toughness with with a sense of rather unfashionable goodness, mm. which and, and goodness is really hard to make dramatically interesting because mostly it's 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 complication that does that and real 
Um, but um, uh, Louise Penny pulls that off brilliantly, I think. This novel is set primarily in uh, the little village. I think it's a fictional village of Three Pines, Quebec, which has a, a, a real spirit sort of all of its own. Uh, describe to our listeners your, your understanding of this small community of Three Pines, Quebec, and what makes it such a, a, a perfect backdrop uh, for the events of this novel. Yes, well, Three Pines is not only not on the map, uh, although it's physical and it's there and people live in it. Um, you, don't, you don't find it on sat-nav, she says in the, uh, in the early books. But it's also, it, Three Pines is also, in a strange way, uh, a sort of state of mind. And it's a, it's a place where, where people who are sort of lost go. And, and by lost, I think she includes the entire population of the world in, in, that, in that way because everyone's got some sort of something everybody has lost and everybody is, is striving for, for something that they can't quite attain or can't find and um, so in, in a way it's, it's a, it's, it is uh, it is a sort of strange place of, 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 of sanctuary of almost almost healing now having said that there's an awful lot of murders that go on in three pines <laughs> so uh, every second book something major happens in three pines and every second book something happens uh, major happens elsewhere uh, either in Quebec or last year uh, with her book, it was in Paris. Um, but Three Pines is the centre of a, a lot of action. But also there is this this, uh, this sense of balm in the place, which she, uh, she she writes, and she writes extremely sensually. She writes very well about food and about smells. And uh, so it is it is a place to, uh, to it's a wonderful place to be and a wonderful place to read about. But uh, there's always uh, there's always something afoot. Right, your mention of food uh, brings to mind uh, the many scenes that are set in the bistro in Three Pines, Quebec. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And uh, and and someone has written a, a website called The Nature of the Feast. I mean, I have to say that the reason is it came after um, one of her books. It was called The Nature of the Beast. So uh, anyway, he's, <laughs> he's written a whole series of recipes that you might find at the bistro, which is, uh, uh, and, uh, and it's sort of vaguely set in Knowlton. Um, no, vaguely. I mean, she, she, uh, she, she says that uh, Knowlton is her sort of uh, place. And, and um, uh, so, yeah, it's the bistro. The bistro but all sorts of things happen in the bistro as well. There's been, <laughs> there's been some shootouts as well as all the, <laughs> the lovely confit of duck and, uh, and uh, you know, the fine, fine brie and baguettes you get there. Uh, you've got to watch out for the bullets sometimes. Yes, exactly. Uh, this latest novel by Louise Penny, The Madness of Crowds, is set essentially in a post-pandemic world. And uh, explain to our listeners why this is so essential uh, to the central events of, of the novel. Yes, it takes in post-pandemic, so it's a slight, slight, slightly in the future when things have completely calmed down. Um, yes, I mean, it takes into account the fact that for the last 18 months or so, um, the world has been united in, in one way, uh, in, in its anxiety around the um, virus, uh, and completely riven in really febrile and, and ugly, um, I wouldn't even call it debate, you know, overlapping declamations of, uh, of, of, of how, you should, how we should be responding to it. Um, and it's become aligned and tribal and, and, and the rest of it. And 
And uh, this febrile atmosphere is something from which we have, in, in the book, from which we have emerged. Uh, and it has um, left us very um, scarred, really, from the, the whole thing. And so when um, somebody comes to talk at a university, um, it is who is uh, renowned for her extreme views in one way, um, it is, it is the, the, the reaction to her, uh, very extreme in different directions, is really sharpened by our all collective experience of the of the the anxiety and 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 the, and the fears that we've all all been through. This uh, guest that you are talking about, Professor Abigail Robinson, a statistics professor, uh, believes that uh, the the best straightest pathway back to normalcy is to prioritize certain lives over others, and uh, it is. Uh, a view that is shocking, horrifying to many, but others find that it makes a great deal of sense and are drawn to her. And uh, uh, Chief Inspector Aman Gamash is called to uh, to provide security when she comes to Three Pines to uh, to give a lecture at a nearby uh, university, and he finds himself having to protect somebody whose views uh, he finds abhorrent. It seems to me that that is one of the most intriguing themes of the novel is Gamash trying to come to terms with who this woman is, what she believes, and uh, and uh, whether or not he feels even comfortable playing this role in, in her life. Can you tell us more about that conflicted uh, state of mind uh, in which uh, Inspector Gamash finds himself? Yes, I mean, he, he is conflicted with the professional and the personal. I mean, he is there to protect someone uh, whose views he finds abhorrent. And I think this, this, this works. I mean, I think a lot of uh, professional people would, would recognize that. I mean, uh, lawyers, uh, if, you're, if the person on the operating theater table is someone you don't agree with, uh, will you do a better operation than with someone you, with whom you do agree politically? Um, I mean, I'm sure um, uh, it must be a, a constant co- conflict, perhaps, with, with many people. A lot of professionals would say, no, of course not. We, we, we do the job, and uh, our own personal feelings are, are irrelevant. But, of course, he has to investigate something uh, which happens, which uh, means he has to get very close to, to, um, to her and, and uh, to her opinions and also the world ar- around those opinions and uh, makes discoveries uh, about people uh, who are connected to this um, uh, this way of thinking, and uh, yes, it, and it becomes uh, an investigation. So cer- certainly, he he is there initially to protect and then to investigate. But um, uh, at no stage does he uh, does he um, uh, resolve from the from the from the the responsibility to protect her. And in fact, he, he puts himself in in great danger on her behalf. Um, uh, and so, yes, there is this this conflict of, of the personal and, and the professional. And, of course, for him, there is a very specifically personal reason why he is so shocked by her advocacy for what amounts to legally mandated euthanasia uh, for the elderly and, and, uh, and, and uh, for instance, youngsters with Down syndrome. 
he has a granddaughter, if I don't, if I remember correctly, who is Down syndrome. And so, uh, in the world that Professor Abigail Robinson proposes, uh, his own granddaughter uh, potentially would be euthanized, and he must somehow overlook this or live with this as he protects Professor Robinson. It's interesting to think about the the uh, moral dilemma in which he finds himself. Yes, and, and it's not just Gamash. I mean, his um, uh, his uh, number two and son-in-law, uh, Jean-Guy Beauvoir, is, uh, is also extremely uh, exercised by this. And um, without giving anything away, it, there is a crescendo of... Uh, of great weight and 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 personal choice that he has to um, summon and, uh, and 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 he has to master his own, or whether he succeeds or not, I won't say, his own um, uh, taste, distaste, and um, and motivation for uh, for doing something that, again, would be unprofessional, but uh, would also be um, seeing through his own his own personal uh, rage about, about this person. A last quick question. Can you explain to our listeners the intriguing title of this novel, The Madness of Crowds? I, the, the reference, actually, I, um, is, is there is a, there is a, a book which um, I think it is, is a phrase that has been used in, in, um, in something. I'm just, uh, indeed, look it up. I, should, I ought to know. I ought to know what, exactly <laughs> what, what the reference is. But it is, it is, a, it is, a, um, it is a reflection of, the, of this sort of craziness that has that has overtaken us, and and the the, the the concern where friends are falling out, where where people are uh, aligning themselves one way or the other so firmly that uh, they can't communicate with each other. So um, so the, the 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 movement of opinion, and the and the recruiting recruitment of of particular sides in this in this whole. Debate and it goes it goes more widely than, than just this issue. Um, it's something which uh, a lot of people find very disconcerting. Hmm. The novel again is the madness of crowds. It's by Louise Penny, the seventeenth book in this series around Chief Inspector Armand Gamache, and reading the audiobook uh, Robert Bathurst. Robert Bathurst, it's been wonderful to speak with you. I commend you on the wonderful work that you have done with these audiobooks, and of course all of the wonderful work that you have done both on screen and on stage, and thank you for being part of the morning show today. Best wishes to you. And you, Greg. Thank you very much. You're welcome.